Bibles, I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 1. I made the comment last week, I made the comment last week about, uh, I shared an illustration about how a guy stole a Bible, right? He took a Bible. He actually didn't steal it because you can't steal a Bible. He just took a Bible. And, and, and I, made the, I made the comment, I made the comment, um, hey, if you, if you don't have a Bible and you want to take my Bible uh, and, and take it home, you, you, uh, then it's up here. Well, I left all this up here and somebody did take my Bible last week. And so uh, here's another one if you need it. Uh, it's here, all right? Uh, but if you have a Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 1. I wasn't kidding. I was serious about that, and, and so I'm still serious, but I am going to run out of Bibles eventually. Colossians chapter 1. And for weeks, we have looked at the things that we need to get serious about in, in challenging times, right? Challenging times. Uh, when, when you go through challenging times, you determine the essentials. If you know that there is a storm coming, you go to the grocery store and you get the essentials. I need this. It's not that I just want that. No, I shouldn't say no one. Few people are going to buy candy uh, before a blitz. Well, maybe, maybe you do, but most people are going to get the fruit, they're going to get the produce, they're going to get the, the milk, the eggs, the things that you really need before a storm. You, you, you determine what is essential when times are challenging. And for these last about eight weeks, we've been looking at some of these essentials, the things for which we must get serious. We've, we've, I won't go through all of them. You can go back and listen to them or watch them on the website all of the previous messages, but this morning, in part because of our proximity to Thanksgiving, but really at all times, as followers of Jesus Christ, we really need to get serious about gratitude. As followers of Jesus Christ, we must really be serious about gratitude, not just on, uh, on the occasion of once a year, but gratitude to God at all times. Let me give you a little bit of background. The the book of Colossians that you have in front of you began as a letter written by Paul to Christians in a city called Colossae. That's why we call it the letter to the Colossians or the people of Colossae. Now, even before we read the text, there are a couple of things that I want you to understand about this book of Colossians. Some really important facts that you need to know before we read from it. Two important things. Uh, the difficult place from which Paul wrote it and the deep problem that he addressed. So again, two things. The difficult place from which Paul wrote the book of Colossians and the deep problem that he addressed in that letter. So we've got a difficult place and a deep problem. I'm going to say it one more time. You've got a difficult place and a deep problem place was in Rome. And it wasn't because Rome was in itself a particularly difficult place, but Paul in Rome was under house arrest. Paul had been arrested for proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. I've said before, if you ever go to jail, the, the really the, the best reason for you to go to jail is because somebody tells you you can't tell people about Jesus and you do. 
If that happens and you're in that place and you tell people about Jesus and you go to jail, that's a good reason and that's what had happened to Paul. He had told people about Jesus. They had accused him of creating a riot, but he was really just proclaiming the gospel. It was upsetting communities. It was upsetting people's worlds. And so they incarcerated him. They put him under house arrest. By that, he was in a rented facility and he was chained either to a fixed part in the floor or to the wall or to a person. But house arrest meant that they were always in chains, which meant that they couldn't move about freely, they couldn't go to where they wanted to, or he couldn't proclaim the gospel like he did. Or, uh, and also, in addition to that, there was a guard that was always with him. And so this was the difficult place in which Paul found himself. He was under house arrest. He's chained and he's guarded. He's restricted. It wasn't as bad as some of the prisons that Paul had been in. You can read through the book of Acts and you will find some of the places in which he found himself because he proclaimed the gospel and been jailed. It also is not as bad as the eventual prison that Paul would be in in months and years after writing Colossians. But he's in a very, very difficult place. That's, that's, that's the place. The problem that Paul was addressing was a false teaching that had crept into the church in Colossae. A false teaching, or a fancy word for it would be heresy. A false teaching is something that, that is contrary to Scripture, that's contrary to gospel, that is actually a lie. And the lie that was prevalent in the church in Colossae was that this, this teaching was that, that Jesus had just simply been a man, that, that he was not divine, that he was the Son of God, that he had done a lot of good things, he had said a lot of nice things, but he was really not God. The problem with that is that if Jesus was just a man, then what he said was simply another philosophy. And if Jesus was just a man, then what he did on the cross was the ultimate act of futility. But Jesus was not just a man. Jesus was also God, and through that, he provided salvation. So if you read this letter called Colossians, which takes about 10 or 15 minutes to read the entirety of the book or the entirety of that letter, you will find Paul correcting this teaching this lie, or this, this, this false teaching. He, he, he was again and again coming back to the fact that Jesus was and is the Son of God. But For our purposes this morning, I want you to understand that Paul here was writing this place from a difficult place, writing this, this letter from a difficult place, and he was facing a very, very deep problem. So again, he is a man who's writing this from a difficult place, and he's addressing a very deep problem. And yet, in this letter, this, this book that we call Colossians, he expresses gratitude and thanks more than almost any other letter he wrote. Again and again, as you read through this, you will see some reference to thanks or to giving thanks or to giving gratitude. Here was a man in a difficult place, addressing a very deep problem, but he was a man who was extremely, extremely grateful. Here in chapter 1, 
Verses 1 through 4 read this way. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, that's a co-worker, a close colleague of his, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Look at verse 3. We always thank God, that's the first reference here to thanks, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for God's people. So in this difficult place, facing a very deep problem, in verse 3, Paul thanked God for God's people. He thanked God for God's people. Again, verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we've heard of your faith in Christ and of the love that you have for all of God's people. He's thanking God and he's pausing. Right at the very beginning of this letter, he pauses and he, he thanks God for God's people. Have you thanked God for his people? Don't answer out loud, just in your minds. Have you thanked, have you paused to thank God for his people? The people who had an influence on your life. The people who brought you to Christ or who discipled you or the people who encouraged you in the faith. The person who was there when you went through that particularly difficult season of your life who made all the difference in your survival. Have you thanked God for God's people. A few days ago, I think it was on Monday, uh, the staff, uh, somebody brought in a, a meal. It was very nice of them. And, and she shared how, how this person in many states away a number of years ago had brought her to faith in Christ, had introduced her to Christ, and then who had been very key in her growth in Christ. When I heard that story, I was again reminded how people influence people for Christ. That when we came to Jesus Christ, I shared this a few weeks ago, when we came to Christ, we also came into fellowship with each other. And we start walking this journey together. And I thank God for the people in my life who have walked beside me, sometimes for just short periods of time, but who've made such a difference in my personal walk with Jesus Christ. I mentioned a few moments ago in recent days Two very precious brothers in Christ passed away. And uh, I, I have known Olin and Jerry for about the same length of time. And they, they were some of the first people that I met. In fact, Olin, I shared this at his funeral a few days ago. Olin uh, was one of the persons who came to our church on a Sunday morning uh, in, in Minnesota where we were pastoring. And this is 25 years ago. And and who, who listened to us and said, yeah, we, we think we should call and ask this person to come and, and come to Aberdeen First Assembly. And, and, and Jerry was one of the persons who came to our home some months later and helped us pack up and move here to town. And, and, and they, they became not just friends, but brothers in Christ. And, and, and I, I'm going to miss them. But, but I think of the ways that they influenced me. Were they mentors? Definitely not. Were they, were they people who led me to faith in Christ? Absolutely not. But were they people who encouraged me in the faith by their own example? Absolutely yes. You see, that, that's an example. And so last week when, 
I learned that they had passed, one of my first thoughts was they're now with the Lord, and secondly, Lord, thank you for letting them be a part of my life. Last Sunday morning, or actually last Sunday afternoon, we had left here, Joni and I were in the vehicle, and we were making our way from here, and I got a text that, that uh, my grandmother passed away. She's not my grandmother by blood, but she's the woman who, who uh, helped raise my mom, who showed her a different way, who showed her that the, the, the messed up things that she had experienced was not going to be her lot in life. And for about five or six years during my mom's growing up years, this woman was extremely instrumental. I thought that she was my grandmother up until the age of 10. When I was 10, I found out that she wasn't my biological grandmother, but I called her my grandmother, and she called me her grandson. She died uh, last Sunday, and, and uh, her funeral is tomorrow. And I think of this woman who, 98 years old when she passed, I think of this woman who made such a difference in my life, such a difference in my family. And when I heard that she had passed, first of all, I said, thank you, Lord, she's with you, her suffering is over. Um, she had uh, advanced dementia, uh, but, 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 but I also said, thank you, Lord, that she was a part of my life. See, that's how it's supposed to be. This is what Paul was doing. He's thanking God for the people who have been on the journey with him. Have you thanked God for his people? Have you thanked God for the, the ways that they influenced your life? I'm grateful for people's faith in Jesus Christ. This, this, this verse speaks of their faith in Christ and their love for God's people. So even if you are in a difficult place, even if you are facing deep problems, I want you to pause during this time where we maybe give a little bit more attention to gratitude than any other time of the year. I want you to pause and I want you to start thanking God for the people who've made a difference in your walk with Jesus Christ. In fact, I would even, even go so far as to say this. If they're still alive, then call them up and thank them in person or at least on the telephone. Thank them for the difference that they made. It will, it will bless you, and it will bless them. Same chapter, Colossians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12 read this way. Being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people, in the kingdom of light. Again, here, here is Paul in a difficult place facing a pretty deep problem, but he's thanking God. And on this occasion, here in verses 11 and 12, he, he thanks God for the inheritance. See that word there, inheritance? An inheritance, you probably knew this, an inheritance is something that comes to us because we have a relationship with someone. Very seldom will an inheritance go to an absolute stranger. I suppose it's happened, but it's not happened very much, where someone just randomly chooses someone. No, it's usually some kind of a relationship. A member of a family, a friendship, a colleague, a co-worker. There's a relationship there. If you are in Jesus Christ, 
you can be grateful that you qualify for an inheritance that you will be with Christ for eternity in heaven. That's actually what that word is referring to. Paul here, in this difficult place, facing a deep problem, says, I want to remind you, church in Colossae, that you have, because of a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have a tremendous inheritance waiting for you. That there's more than this life. During Connecting Point this morning, one of the persons around the table shared how she's been reading in in, in Revelation and how it has meant so much to her because she's being reminded of what we have ahead of us. And I couldn't agree more. Think of what we have ahead of us. Think of the inheritance. When you gave your life to Jesus, you gave him your past, you gave him your sins, you gave him your shame. He gave you forgiveness, but he also gave you eternal life. And that because of that day, because of that relationship, when you die or when he returns, we are going to go to live with Jesus forever. What an amazing inheritance. Every other inheritance you're going to leave behind. Every other thing that any person gives you, you're going to leave behind. But we as followers of Jesus Christ, because of a relationship with him, when we die, we receive this amazing inheritance. I look forward to that. Listen. When you're in a difficult place, when we find ourselves in difficult places, and when we're facing deep problems, it's really good to remember that there is more than this old world. There's more. There's so much more than this old world. There's something amazing ahead of us. Paul, he's writing this. I'd love to see it as it happened. But he's, he's in this difficult place facing a deep problem, but he reminds them, but there's something ahead. You have an amazing inheritance coming to you. Thank the Lord for what awaits you. Colossians chapter 2, turn over the page. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 tell us this. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, let me pause there for a moment, Remember the problem that he was addressing, that Jesus was not, that, Je- that some people had started believing that Jesus was not the Son of God? Notice what Paul says here. He says, you've received Christ. That's not a name. That's a title. That means Messiah or the promised one who is sent by God. And then Jesus, Jesus, that was, of course, Jesus' name, but it means that God saves and then, and then he puts on this title, Lord, which means one who is over, one who cares. It, it, it implies uh, ownership. He, he's, what is he doing? He's reemphasizing the fact that Jesus was not just a man, but he is the Son of God, and he is the Lord of your lives. He says, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. I want you to notice the words there, rooted and built up in Christ. There's a sequence there. I don't think any of us here are so far removed from from agriculture or 
or even growing a garden to understand the importance of something being rooted and then growing up. There's a sequence here. It says, uh, uh, it says continue to live your lives in him, rooted and then built up. In other words, go deep with Jesus Christ and then grow large because you are rooted deeply in Jesus Christ. He's emphasizing this, that it is so important to be rooted and then built up in Jesus Christ. You know, I've found something, a lot of observation, pastored a lot of people, known a lot more than that, but I have found that persons who are deeply rooted in Jesus Christ and then built up in Christ, persons who are deeply rooted and built up in Christ continue to follow Christ regardless of what comes their way. But I've also found those who are not rooted in Jesus Christ, those who do not go deeply into him, and those who are not built up will often not go the distance in following Jesus Christ. I cannot tell you the importance of being rooted and grown up or built up in him. Jesus told a parable about that, how, how because of a, a lack of roots, uh, the, the, the plant that could have been never was. We must be rooted in him, especially in difficult times to be rooted and built up in him. But then at the end of verse 7, you see the result of that spiritual deepening and growth. I, I don't think it's, it's so much cause as much it's, as its effect. It's a result of the spiritual deepening and growth. It says that person is then overflowing with thankfulness. Not just full of gratitude, but overflowing with gratitude. A person who puts down their roots in Jesus and then continues to grow up and be built up in Christ, that person then, then becomes a very grateful person. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, and I, I, I may offend some, but that's all right. If, if, if it applies, then please apply it. Uh, a, a, a person who is lacking in gratitude, it also sometimes indicates a lack of rootedness and a lack of growing up in Christ. The gratitude, our level of thankfulness, is an indicator of spiritual development. You see this here. It means that they are so full of gratitude that when they're in a difficult place, facing deep problems, it is gratitude that flows out. <laughs> what was it? It was, the, it was the first song that we sang this morning. I, I, felt, a, I felt a little bit guilty when we, uh, when we sang it because the first line, maybe you did too, but the first line, let me find it here. The first line was... Um, Oh, here it is. Uh, it was the song Grateful. This is the day that you have made. Whatever comes, I won't complain. Did anybody else here feel a little guilty when, when you sang that part of it? Because I found myself complaining sometimes. I mean, things are challenging. You wonder what, when it's going to stop or when it's going to get easier and start, start complaining a little bit. But, but wait a minute. When, when I'm rooted in him, I'm not going to complain so much. I'm going to trust in him. 
means we're so full of gratitude. Again, that we're in a difficult place facing deep problems. It's gratitude that flows out. It means that when they get bumped, (laughs) thankfulness flows out. You've heard this analogy before, right? Whatever is in the glass, whatever is filled up in the glass, if you bump the glass, whatever's in the glass is going to come out. (laughs) So if there's a, when people get bumped, if people get bumped, if people get offended, if people get hurt, uh, if if life pushes back, which it always does, then then you will see what's in them. And if there's rage in them, that'll come out. If there's bitterness in them, th- when they get bumped, that will come out. If they're full of love and you bump them, then love is going to come out. Those things are going to be revealed. You can't hide it. It's going to come out. It says here that they're overflowing with thankfulness. It, it, it affects the people around them. It gets the other people. It, it affects them. Try this sometime. You're, you're in a group of people and they start complaining about something. Do this. I know. It's worked for me. Just start thanking God for something. An example. Uh, if, they, if they say, oh, you know, boy, this is, I'm really upset at this person. Just say, you know what? Yeah, things are really hard right now, but I'm very grateful that Jesus is the Lord of my life and he's going to give me the strength for whatever comes my way. And you go, man, that sounds super spiritual. I'll tell you what it is. It's a preemptive strike. It is a preemptive strike because if you start feeding off of another person's ingratitude, it will affect you. But if you start sharing God, gratitude to God for what he's done, it's going to affect them. And we need to be people who, even in the worst of times, in the most challenging of times, we need to be people that say, you know, boy, this has been hard, but I thank God for his daily strength. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, quote, We are to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It, it, it says, in all circumstances, We are to give thanks because this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. There are no exceptions there. It doesn't say, well, if you are... If you are a Christian in, 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 a, in a communist or socialist society that, that, that says, that says uh, you, you, you cannot proclaim the gospel or you cannot own a Bible or you, you cannot share your faith with Jesus Christ, it, it doesn't say that, okay, then you shouldn't be grateful. It doesn't give that exception. This applies to people in North Korea right now. This applies to people in Cuba right now. This applies to people in Saudi Arabia, for the Christian right there, to to declare Jesus Christ and be grateful even in those difficult circumstances. It doesn't give the exception, well, a loved one just passed away, therefore I can't be grateful. No, I can be grateful because they're with Jesus and glory to God, someday I'm going to see him again. I can be grateful for that. It doesn't give exceptions. Again, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we're to give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, I've found that there's very little drama in gratitude. No one has ever made a movie where the main character was just the most grateful, happy person. That does, that does not sell. There's no drama in gratitude. 
You want to sell a movie, you want to sell a story, the person is sarcastic, they're quick-witted, they're, 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 they, they say things that, that get, get a, a reaction out of people. There's, there's more entertainment value in displays of anger or sarcasm. But when, when gratitude is expressed, it deeply affects the person receiving it and the person who is giving it. There's no drama. There's not a lot of drama in gratitude, but I'll tell you what, it's more powerful. It's more powerful. Look at, turn, turn the page again. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says this, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now there's more, but but I want you to see that one. Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So this tells us that in everything the believer does, we are to give thanks to God. In everything that we do, we are to give thanks to God. Our words, what we say, all of those are under the authority of his name, and we are to say them with gratitude to God. Our deeds, the things that we do, it's all under his authority, and we're to do them with gratitude to God. I've shared this before. It's really important that you hear it again. Of all of the people in this world it is the follower of Jesus Christ who has most to be grateful for. Of anyone. It's the person who has been redeemed, the person who has been restored, the person who has been reclaimed, the person who has been healed, the person who has been delivered from all of that stuff. Of course, the person who has been forgiven. All of that in Jesus Christ. Well, things can be challenging, and they are challenging, but glory to God we have Jesus, he has changed us, we have a great future ahead, and I will give thanks to him regardless of what comes my way. Why? Because I'm his and he is mine. We need to keep that in mind. We need to keep that in mind that we are the Lord's, that we are the Lord's. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. A few weeks ago, I was driving and I heard someone on the radio describe 2020, the year 2020. Well, um, how they described it, I at first laughed out loud. I, I at first found it funny, but the more I thought about it, I cannot agree with their assessment or their description of 2020. They said, they said 2020 has been a dumpster fire of a year. And I thought, well, that's kind of descript descriptive. And if you've ever seen a dumpster fire, it's a pretty impressive thing. You throw a match in a dumpster and it catches on fire. You have a raging inferno and, and everyone loses. It's just a mess. It, it creates a mess and and, and it destroys, and it's just a kind of a dumpster fire. And I, I thought, yeah, I, I get what this person is saying, and yet I thank God for the year 2020. By the way, 
got some bad news for you. If you're thinking or you've thought or you've said to someone or listened to someone who said, you know, boy, I'm ready to be done with 2020. I, I got some bad news for you. Rolling the calendar around isn't going to make things better. I wish it were that easy, you know. Take the old calendar down, burn it, put a new calendar up. Oh, we got a new year and it's all going to be great. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. Next year's going to have its own challenges. Some of our current challenges are going to make their way through and hmm, we're going to get some new set of challenges. But you know what? In 2020, there are people I know who came to Jesus Christ. Glory to God. There are people I know who've been delivered from things, uh, from, from besetting sins, from, from crippling sins, uh, who, the, from, from shameful things. I, I have known people who've been forgiven, and, and it's all in their past, and, and it happened in 2020. Glory to God. I know people that have been healed and restored. Lives that have been made right. Marriages that have been healed. Families that have been restored. I thank God for what has happened this year. This year I have grown in ways that I never grew in in the previous many years of my life. But I've grown. I've gotten a little bit closer to Jesus. In fact, I'm going to say this. I've got a lot closer to Jesus. There have been some things in my life where I said, you know, I think I was leaning too much on that. I think I was finding too much joy in that. It wasn't a bad thing. I just said, you know what, I need to get my eyes even more fixed on Jesus. It's been a great year. Now, there's some things in this year I don't ever want to see again, but I might. But I know this, I'm grateful for what Jesus is doing today. I'm grateful to be living right now. I'm grateful that his power did not run out in 2019. I'm grateful for his sustaining power that has brought me this far into this year and is going to take me into the next year, Lord willing. I am grateful for what God is doing, for the lives that have been changed. I'm grateful that he's changed many of your lives. Some of you are here, some of you that are listening right now, Jesus has been, you have seen his power demonstrated in ways in the last 11 months unlike you've ever seen in your life. Glory to God. Thank him for it. Of all people, we should be the most grateful. Would you stand with me, please, across this congregation? We're going to bow our heads in a moment. I invite those who are are joining us online to do the same. I want to pray for you again. I want to pray for you again. But I, I, I'm going to pray this way, that God will, that we will be overwhelmed, that we will be filled and overflowing with thanksgiving. It's not just a one-time-a-year thing. It's an everyday thing because we are his. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Lord, I thank you for your power. I thank you for the ways in which you have revealed yourself to us this year. I thank you that you died on that cross so long ago and it applied to people in this year right now. I thank you for bringing people closer to you. I thank you, Lord, for my brothers and sisters in Christ who've put some roots down deeper than they've ever been before, who've grown up in Christ more than they ever have before. I thank you, Lord, that in this in these months that when they've been bumped, that grace has come out, and mercy has come out, and love has come out, and thanksgiving has come out. 
I pray that it would be even more so in the months ahead. Lord, I look at my own life and I, I've seen complaining. Forgive me, Lord. I know what grumbling will do. I've seen it in your word. Grumbling people are left in the desert to wander around. I don't want to be that person. I want to be the person who looks to you and says, I don't know what's happening. I don't know why it's happening, but I trust you. I put my faith in you. I pray that for every person, Lord, watching or listening here this morning. I ask that, that you would comfort them, that you'd heal them, that you'd deliver them, encourage them, comfort them in their pain and in their loss, and remind us, Lord, that there's another day ahead, a day when we will all be gathered around that throne, and we will begin living there together forever. Thank you for the inheritance that you've given us. We thank you for what lies ahead. So Lord, your blessing upon us as we leave this place, may we overflow with thanksgiving for all that our Lord has done and all that our Lord is going to do. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. I want you to go in the, in the grace, in the presence, and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ.